0: So today we're starting a series um, that, that uh, I entitled "Unlimited, Unlimited," and uh, over the next few weeks we're going to talk about uh, things in uh, that that God gives that are that are unlimited. And sometimes, in li- many times in life, we do need limits, and and the Scripture helps us set some some limits or some boundaries or some margin in our life for our protection. But there are some things uh, that, that God gives us that, like I said, are unlimited, that, that you, you will never, you know, have enough. And you can, there's always more uh, to be had from God. And so today, uh, and by the way, isn't um, unlimited better, by the way? Uh, just this week, um, I was in a phone plan of, uh, where I had limited data. And for me, uh, that's a problem and every seems like every month i was in a plan with five people and every month um my brother who was overseeing the plan would send me an email saying you owe more than what all of us owe uh, because you went over on your on your data because we only had about two Gigs of data, and uh, and so this particular month, for some reason or another, was way worse than others, and uh, and there's lots of different factors that play into that that you probably know, but um, it was way worse, and 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 I was gonna owe, I don't know, he said I was gonna owe like over fifty dollars more on top of my bill than what I normally pay, and um, so. Um, We were talking the other night, and he says, you know, there's a lot of these companies are going unlimited now. And I said, we need that. (laughs) He says, I know you need that. I said, we need that. And so he uh, orchestrated it, so my brother orchestrated it, so that we are now, I now have unlimited data, unlimited texting, unlimited whatever, and they wiped away the 50-plus dollars that I owed. Isn't that good for me? I'll take it up. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate that. I was happy about that news. But isn't unlimited just better? I just think that it is, especially when it comes to phone plans. But when it comes to things like God's plan for grace and God's plan for your faith and God's plan for you to have wisdom, and it can go on and on, God's plan for you to have joy, God's plan for you to have peace in your life, these these things that God offers to us are unlimited i mean there is more peace to be had in your life isn't that good news there is more joy to be had in your life there is more faith that you can have in your life if you want it because that plan that god has established for us that plan is unlimited now i need to know this uh who who, um who lost power this week in the in the windstorm? Raise your hand if you if you wouldn't mind. Who lost power? Oh man! So this, this I, okay. I thought it would be more than that to be honest with you, um, but I, I'm like that, it isn't fair, isn't it? I mean, you, I mean, I, I mean, you look around the room, you saw people raise their hand, and I'm looking at the people that didn't raise their hand, and now I'm wondering if you're, do you feel like that was unfair? Like, how did they lose power, and I didn't lose power, and, or they, how did they, you know, I, they kept their power, and I, I lost my power, but you know, when it comes to fairness, it's, we never say it's unfair when we benefit from it, right? Like, I looked around the room, there was a handful of people that lost their power, and I didn't call DTE and say, it's not fair, 650,000 people lost their power, and I didn't, that's not fair, you know, tear my power off, right, you don't do that. You've never done that. Never have my kids, when they get an extra piece of pizza, never have my kids said to me, that's not fair. I got the extra piece of pizza and she didn't. Have you ever heard your kids say that to you before? No, you only heard heard your kids say that's not fair when they don't get the extra piece of pizza, right? You only hear those who lost the power say, that's not fair. My house lost power, but 12 houses down still has it. You know what I'm saying? But when it comes to the kingdom of God, do you know that it's just not fair sometimes when it comes to the kingdom of God? Let me give you an example in Scripture. Matthew chapter 20. If you have a Bible, you can can open it up. Matthew chapter number 20. um, We're going to start in verse uh, number 1. Matthew 20, verse number 1. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning, to hire laborers for his vineyard. So this is probably maybe around six o'clock in the morning. Verse two When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius, now a denarius is about a day's worth of wages, that's what a, how much a denarius is. So he agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Verse 4, and those, he said, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you, and so they went. And so about 6 a.m., he sends workers into his vineyard, and then it says about the, you know, the third hour, which is about 9 a.m., he sends more workers into the vineyard, and he says, and whatever is right, I will give you, and so they so they went. Verse 5, and again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same, same thing. So every Three hours or so, he was going and getting more work, more workers, because apparently he maybe overestimated, the, the land over, overestimated how much work needed to be done, you know, for working in the vineyard. So every three hours or so, he's going and he's getting more workers. Ninth hour, sixth hour, ninth hour, and he did the same. Verse six. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? Verse 7, and they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Verse 8, when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first so the group that started with, with the, the group that he started with by giving the wages to that, that, that group was the, that the group that started around five o'clock and they ended around six o'clock so that group that he started with but giving the wages they only worked about one hour he says start with the, the the last group to the first in verse nine when those hired about the 11th hour came each one received a denarius So they're going oh wow i worked an hour and i got a day's worth of pay i only worked an hour so of course this is what happened verse 10 when those hired first came they thought that they would receive more wouldn't you they thought i've been out here for 11 hours 12 hours i was out here 12 hours in this vineyard Those that were only in the vineyard for one hour, they got a day's worth of wages. So they're thinking to themselves, wow, we're going to receive more than what he promised us. But each of them also received a denarius. It's not fair, is it? You see how that's not fair? That's not fair. Verse 11, when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner. Now this wouldn't be you, would it? This is not you. This is what you, you wouldn't do this. They grumbled at the landlord saying, verse 12, these men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. This is not, in other words, this is not fair. Verse 13, but he answered and said to one of them, friend, am I doing you no wrong? Did you not agree with me? For denarius, verse 14, take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to the last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me? Here's the landowner. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is, it, is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first. And the first shall be last. Here's what Philip Yancey said in this book that you can pick up at our 12 Stone Cafe for $5. What is so amazing about grace? You can pick this up for $5. Here's what he said about this particular parable that Jesus said. He said that this is the scandalous mathematics of grace. This is the scandalous mathematics of grace. I don't want fair. You know what I want more than fair? I want grace. I want grace. And when, here's the deal, God dispenses gifts, okay? God is the landowner in the story, right? When God is the one who dispenses gifts, not wages, none of us gets paid according to our merit, Right? None of us, God is what God gives to us in this scandalous mathematics of grace in the story that we see in Scripture. What God gives to us are gifts and not something that we've earned, not something that we've merited. Because here's the reality, here's the reality. Nobody is perfect. Did I have to say that to anybody in this room? Nobody is perfect. And so because nobody is perfect, the Bible says it this way, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the way that the Bible says it. But the way that we want to say it in, in, in in that same light is nobody's perfect. As a result of nobody being perfect, the fallout for that is this, is that that makes us separated from God as a result of Because God is perfect, God is holy, and we are not. So that makes us separated from God. That's why the Bible says, for all have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. None of us can get to God based on our own merit. You can't go to church enough. You can't do enough good works to earn yourself in a good standing with God. There's nothing that you can do to attain a holiness that God requires for you to stand in his presence. Right, Christian? This is what, this is what happens to us as a result of us be, not being perfect. But not only does it separate us from God, that we're not good enough to get to God. But what happens to us also is, is it makes us spiritually dead. And so when you're dead, there's not much you can do either. And so what happened is, is that because we're not, because we don't have it all together, and because we're not perfect, that separates us from God, but it also makes us spiritually dead. We cannot bring ourselves to life. You know this to be true. Do you, and does anybody ever remember a time of just saying to yourself, I want to be in existence? No, never. You were never at a time when you have a thought in, that you were in heaven before you were ever born and says, I think I want to exist now. Right? Because that's not how it works. Well, when we're spiritually dead, it works the same way. Works the same way. This is why God has offered to us something that some may view as not fair. But God says, listen, I have to give you a gift because you can't earn it on your own. Let me try to give you an example of that. Um, I need a, I need somebody's help here. Uh, bu- 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 Ryan, can you help me? Yeah. All right, Ryan. Look at this is Ryan. Everybody, um, <laughs> they're they're just clapping for your name. That's all they're doing. Okay. Ryan, I want you to stand on here, okay? Ryan's a big athletic guy, right? He looks like he's an athletic guy, right? Yeah. Get up on the on the stage, man. I'm going to need you to really, you know, you're going to have to really Have you stretched out yet this morning? I see you have like a warm-up suit on, so that's a good that's a good thing. That's a good thing for this. So, Ryan, I I want to get I want you to have this $100 gift card. Do you do you want to have this $100 gift card? Okay, you're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to earn it. So, Amy really wants you to have this $100 gift card <laughs> is, is what? It's a real $100 gift card right here. Ryan, you're going to have to earn this, buddy. So, uh, Ryan, uh, were you ever like a long jumper in, in high school or anything like that? Were you ever anything anything like... Not so much a long jumper, so a long jumper but could you ever jump high? Yeah. Okay, all right, all right, that's good, that's good, that's good. So, Ryan, here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, okay? Uh, I'm going to stand back here, Ryan, and... Uh, From the stage, from the stage, you might, you don't have a whole lot of room, and I don't want you to break any of our instruments or any of our sound equipment, but from the stage, I want you to jump off the stage, and I'm going to need you to jump off the stage from there, and I'm going to have to, you're going to, if you want this, you're going to have to, in the air, off the stage, before you land on the ground, grab this gift card out of my hand. Are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah, you better. Yeah, you better. Hold, hold on, Ryan. Hold on. Ryan, is this even attainable? Okay, all right. Does anybody think that Ryan can do this, though? Yes. Get, Brock, Brock says you can, Ryan. Brock's like, I, 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 you don't know Ryan, do you? But you're looking at Ryan going, Ryan can do this. There's no doubt about it. Ryan can do this. All right Ryan, but Ryan, you like are you thinking is this is impossible? Oh yeah. yeah, if you have a even if you had a running start, do you think it's possible? No. Not a, not possible. All right, so let, let me help you out. let me help you out. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Ryan, is this possible? No. Not not, not even possible. All right. all right. All right, go ahead. No. Still not possible? No. Okay. Here's what God did. God said, and, and here, let, me, let me give you some, some uh, Old Testament stuff to help us understand. So God gave us the law, okay? The law, in the law, there was 613 commandments. 613 rules that they had to follow. Here's what everyone discovered. Just what Ryan discovered when I stood back here. At 613 commandments, it is impossible to be perfect. It is impossible to attain and to do consistently 613 commandments. Do we all agree? So God said, I don't know. He said, all right, 613, all right. Let me break it down into 10. I'll give you 10 commandments. Anybody heard of the 10 commandments before? He says, I'll give you 10 commandments. And if you can do all of the ten commandments consistently perfectly your whole life then you're going to receive the the, a gift that i'm gonna that i want to give to you if you can do that can can could ryan do this could ryan do this no he couldn't do this have you have you who's ever lied before (laughs) you fall short who's ever lied before You fall short, fall short, fall short, fall short, fall short. You lose. And if you have, if you say I've never lied before, you just did. Okay? (laughs) You all are disqualified. Okay? So God says, I'll make it 10. And here you go. And Ryan's going, nope, can't do it. And Jesus goes, okay, okay. You couldn't do 613. You couldn't do 10. So I'll give you two. How about two? He says, all the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Remember Jesus said that? All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Has anyone loved their neighbor as much as you love yourself consistently in your life? Can anybody honestly say that I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Like all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my strength? No. So here's what God did. God says, all right, the reality is is that the, the, the distance between Ryan, who represents all of us, the distance between Ryan and a holy God could go as far as, Los Angeles, California. You know what I'm saying? It would be like me going, Ryan, I want you to jump off the stage and I want you to land in Los Angeles, California. It's impossible. It's not even a thought that comes to your mind. I just try to make it some sort of a realistic picture. But the reality is, it's far beyond that. And so here's the Christian message. Now you need to understand something. This is different. This is different. Stay there. This is different. ...than any other religion. You hear me? This is different than any other religion. It, when, you say, when, you, when people tell you that Christianity is just like any other religion, you say, no, it isn't. And here's why. Here's why. Because every other religion, every other faith... ...says that you have to try to jump off the stage... ...and attain what God has on your own efforts and your own merit... And you have to live up to these standards. You have to try to do the two commandments. Do the ten commandments. Do the 613 commandments. You have to try to do it. Every other religion says that's what you have to do. But here's the difference in Christianity. You know what God did? God says, I'm standing back here. I'm holy. They're unholy. But I have a gift for everyone. I have a gift for everyone. So God left heaven... God left heaven. Let me just do that again. God left heaven and said, I, you can't come to me, but I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. And God left heaven and said, here, Ryan, you couldn't get this on your own merit, but because my grace is amazing, here you go. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But it's yours to have. yeah thank you Jeff that isn't fair is it thank you thank you that isn't fair why did he pick Ryan you're all thinking it why did he I mean I look athletic you know I could I could have jumped further than Ryan could have it isn't fair but this is listen this is reality listen God doesn't work on merit. And God doesn't even work on fairness. God just gives grace. And that gift of grace is for everyone. And the difference between any other religion and Christianity is that God left his place, his rightful place, and if there was anything unfair... It was that God left his throne in eternity, and he came to earth, and he put on flesh and blood, and he lived a perfect, sinless life with all of the temptations that you and I experience in an everyday life, yet he did it. Perfectly. He fulfilled the two commandments. He fulfilled the ten commandments. He fulfilled the 613 commandments. And he sacrificed himself on a cross for your forgiveness and my forgiveness, for your atonement and my atonement. And all you and I have to do is just say, I believe that he did that. And grace out of heaven comes and gives you a gift that you. And I didn't earn. That's unlimited for us. That's unlimited to us. Um, man, I can go through the whole Bible. I could tell you story after story of examples in scripture of who Jesus was. It says that Jesus was full of grace and Jesus was full of truth. That's who Jesus was. And Jesus was an ocean of grace for people. There was a man with leprosy and leprosy was a picture, was a representation of sin because leprosy always started small and when leprosy started out small, it would begin to spread through the whole body internally and externally and ultimately would kill somebody. That's the nature of leprosy and that's also the nature of sin. And when those who had leprosy, they were exiled out of the community. They were sent out of their homes, away from their family, away from their wives and away from their children with this terrible, terrible disease. And they were outcasts of the city. And one day, a leper came up to Jesus and got down on his knees and wrapped his arms around Jesus and says to Jesus, Jesus, will you cleanse me? And Jesus says, the story tells us, that Jesus did what no one else would dare to do. Thinking that there's no way that they ever want to attract this thing of leprosy. There's no way that they want to ever have any kind of leprosy in their life. So no one, no one would touch them. No one would be 10 feet from them. Thinking that it was that contagious. But not... Jesus, Jesus, it says that Jesus touched him, which means Jesus embraced him and said, I am willing to cleanse you. And his leprosy was cleansed. The picture of sin and the willingness of our Savior in all of his kindness, in all of his grace to touch the untouchable and for them to experience a cleansing in their life. That's grace. Here's another that was a crippled man. And he had some friends. And they heard that Jesus was healing people. And they, they brought their friend on a stretcher. And they took their friend and they put him on, their, on a stretcher. And there was, Jesus was in somebody's house. And the, and the story tells us that there was too many people inside of the house and outside of the house that they couldn't get their friend to Jesus. And so they decided that they're going to go up on the roof. I love that they decided that they're going to put their friend up on the roof and they began tearing away the roof so that they can lower their friend down to the feet of Jesus. And the crippled man is a representation of us and our separation from God and our brokenness from God, outside of God, because we're crippled and we can't do anything on our own outside of God. That's the representation that we have of, of, in Scripture. And so they lowered their crippled, lame, maned man down at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus' stares down at the man as they lowered him down to his feet and here's what he said to them he said he said to him your sins are forgiven and and the pharisees in the room which they were commonly in the room the pharisees in the room were going wait a minute that's you're a blasphemer you have no right to declare that anybody's sins are forgiven who do you think that you are and jesus turns to them and says, listen, what would be easier for me to say that his sins are forgiven or for me to say to him, get up and walk? What's easier? And they said, well, it'd be easier for you to say that his sins are forgiven. He said, okay, so so that you know that I have the power to forgive sins and to wash them clean even to those who can't move on their own. Even though I have the power to do that, I'm going to show you. He says, I'm going to tell this man to get up and walk, and that's exactly what he did. He said, I want you to get up, and I want you to pick up your stretcher, and I want you to walk home, and that's exactly what he did. You know what the greatest miracle was that happened there in that moment? Was not the fact that a crippled could walk for the first time in his life again. The greater miracle was the fact that Jesus looked at this man and said, your sins are forgiven. That was the greatest miracle that took place there. Jesus was one day teaching in the temple and which is what he would commonly do, he was teaching in the temple and while he was teaching the doors burst open of the temple and some Pharisees were dragging in this woman Probably her clothes were half off, and she's probably trying to put them on to look as decent as she possibly can. And they drag this woman into the temple, and they throw her at the feet of Jesus. And and they said to her, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. We caught her in the very act. We dragged her out of the house, and we brought her to you, Jesus. We want to know what should we do with her because the law requires that we stone her. The law requires that we put her to death. What do you think? Jesus got on his knees. began writing on the sand. We don't know what he was writing. We don't know what he was putting down. But he makes the statement. He who was without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. He who was without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And it tells us from the oldest to the youngest, they all began walking away. And the only one in that room who had the right to throw the stone, because that's what the law required. The one without sin who had the right to pick up a stone and throw it at her and put her to death was Jesus. Jesus. But he says to her, where are those who are condemning you? She said, they're not here. And he said, I'm not condemning you either. You know why? Because there's now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That. Jesus was suspended in the air on a cross. The scripture tells us that there was two criminals, two thieves, one on each side of him. One on one side begins hurling insults. If you truly are the son of God, if you truly are who you claim to be, then get yourself down from here. Hurling insults, abusing him, mocking him. And the other one on the other side yells out, we deserve this. We've earned this. But he's innocent. We deserve to be hanging on this cross, but not him. Not him. And the thief, which by the way, he had to have been a terrible criminal. Because you know what Rome would do mostly? Rome would use criminals to be rowers for their boats they would use them for manual labor so they must have viewed these two criminals one on each side of jesus as vile vile human beings that they just wanted to wipe off the face of the earth that's how vile these men were and the one of the man that stood up for jesus and said we deserve it and he doesn't says to jesus hey when you get into your kingdom will you remember me At the very last hour, at the 11th hour of his life. Hey, when you get into your kingdom, will you remember me? Jesus said to him, grasping for breath. Because the crucifixion was more about suffocation than anything else. Grasping for air and grasping for breath. He says, today, you vile, terrible, awful, criminal, no. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Not fair. He doesn't give gift based on merit. It's a gift. None of us want what's fair. None of us. Because just like that thief on the cross said, we all deserve this. Guess what? We all deserve death. We all deserve God's wrath. But God says, I love them so much that I'm going to extend grace to them. I'm going to leave my place in heaven and walk to where they are, and I'm going to hand them something that they didn't deserve, and they didn't earn, and they don't merit. I'm going to hand them that gift. That's for every one of us. Whether you've been doing this a long time, or whether it's somebody that just makes a decision for Christ on their death grace it is his wish to give that to every single one of us it says in um second corinthians no let me see excuse me let me say this romans five let's let's say that romans five romans five starting in verse yeah the law came in so that transgressions would increase why did God give the law so that transgressions it would show that we fall, how much we fall short? Transgressions would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he says this in in chapter 6 and in in verse 1 the very next couple verses he says this in chapter 6 he says what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? He says may it never be? No! He says how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Let me tell you something when you get grace you are dead to sin. When you really Get this grace, you and I are dead to sin. And no matter how much sin increases, grace abounds all the more. Isn't that good news? <laughs> no matter how far sin increases, I just want to quickly show you that picture real quick. Uh, Carly, get up here for a second real quick. Carly, this is Carly. Carly's a sinner. She knows that. Hold that right there. Carly, that's Carly's sin right there. Some of yours are here. Some of yours are here. Carly's is right here. Hold it there. Where where sin increases, grace, grace, no, no. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. You can clap for that. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds all the more. I was practicing that this week. Thank you. That's grace. And that is unlimited. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. I'm going to end here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says this. And God is able to make all grace abound to who? To you and me. Thank you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, that grace, God is able to make all grace abound to you. There's there's unlimited grace for, for everyone. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. That's grace, and it's unlimited. And it's for you. And you know what it is for us to do with it—to extend it. You know what we're supposed to do with it, church? Dispense it. You say it's not. Sometimes things are not fair. Whoever said that the kingdom of God is fair? Whoever said the kingdom of God was fair? But when you get grace, you're going to dispense grace. When you see who you really are and what you and I really deserve when it comes to our sin increasing and the grace abounding, you're going to dispense grace to any person in any moment, regardless of whether they deserve it or not regardless of whatever whether you think it's fair or not when you get grace you give grace because that's what god did for us god thanks for the day thanks for the opportunity to talk about your grace the unlimitedness of your grace there's no limits to what you offer to us even beyond our salvation, the grace that you extend to us in our everyday life, Lord, until, until we see you one day, until our faith becomes sight. We're, extend, we're gonna extend grace to those because so much, such a, an obstacle between you and I, but you came to us. And as your sons and your daughters here in this room, that's what we wanna be about. We want to be a place where this is people feel the grace that's extended. That we're an ocean just like you are. To those like a paralytic, to those like a leper, to that adulterous woman, to Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree, on and on and on, to Matthew the tax collector, going on and on and on through the scriptures of how you just extend grace, even when it's not fair certainly when they didn't deserve it or earn it. And I pray that's who we are as followers of you. Thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Pray it transforms life here here today in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.